Hello and welcome to the Usability Podcast, helping you create better design and better experiences for your users every single week. I'm Dr. Chris Parker and today we are carrying on our discussion about satisfaction. So last week we talked about metrics, we talked about the SUS test and how we can measure the satisfaction that our users have. Now that's quite a deep dive into a techie subject, so we're going to take a different tech this week. We're going to take a look at qualitative insights, at understanding the reasons why things happen and really see into the heart and mind of your users. Now, as we know, satisfaction is the most important measure of usability because if a user is satisfied in the interface, they're satisfied in the experience that you're giving them, then everything else goes out of the window because they like it, they love it, and they will pay and they will give their time to get that experience. Now, this can be very hard to determine because we don't enter the house of everyone we go to. So we need to find a way to really understand things. And after all, design managers and team leaders need to understand why issues are occurring in order to know how to address them. Otherwise, you're just shooting um, blank. Now, an example of this could be that you have a low SUS score and you look into, okay, what's driving this SUS metric? Oh, I see that people think the interface is too complex. Okay, we need to simplify it, but which parts are overly complex? You know, which screen, which function? Maybe the entire thing is super complex, but maybe it's just one or two features which are really screwing things up. If we find what they are, we can fix them easily and the whole thing works well. To do this, we need a hero. And that hero is called Thinkaloud. Thinkaloud is probably the easiest and most effective way to judge the satisfaction and actually the usability of a system. Very simply, what this is, is you give your user a task, sit down in front of a computer, and you record them. So the task could be something like, um, here is a clothing website, you've got a friend's wedding coming up, and you want to buy an outfit to wear to the reception. It's quite a smart casual event, it's not you know, really over the top with suits. So you want to look good, you want to look stylish, but really not over the top. I want you to use website, find some items, add them to your bag, and then check the uh, postage and check the uh, return policy. All that stuff, pretty simple. So you set them off and then you record them. How do you record them? The most basic way is just get your smartphone out, get the microphone out and just record what they are saying because their words are the most important part. Where do the words come from? You ask them to think aloud as they go through. So they say, okay, I'm on the web page. I'm looking for the search box. I found it. I'm typing into the box. Um, it's a bit slow, it's lagging behind my keyboard. I'm pressing go and I'm seeing lots of options, etc. We go on. So we record that stuff. Now, you record the voice as the most important part because we're going to be taking this and writing it up as a transcript. So word for word verbatim, every um, every ah, every <gasps> everything. The reason why we do this is lots of those other sounds like um, ah, <gasps> or even screeks, you know, um, these are telling us about reactions. So we might be able to interpret these things uh, like uh, mm-hmm, as thing. Anyway, so we're going to write that up. If we can, it's great to record the screen. 
of the computer. So you can see where they're clicking and you can cross-reference see what they were looking at at the time. Even better is if you were to record the person's face at the same time. So you can see their face, you can see their reactions, they can see all these things. Now we talked about this before with biometrics, how facial expressions are a bit misleading. They don't tell you everything, but they are a good start to look at where things go. So that's where we are. Now how would you do this? So to record a screen, you can use uh, QuickTime on an Apple, or you can use Xbox Gaming on a PC. These are okay, but they only let you record the screen and the audio, they don't let you record the face. QuickTime will let you record the face, but not the screen at the same time, so they're very useful at core information, but they are limited at getting at the real guts of things. Software that I use a lot uh, is called Camtasia. It's not free, but it's quite affordable and very useful. There are a lot of packages out there, um, so I'm not going to go through them today. But take a look around, Google search, you'll find lots of things. Anyhow, so we've got the test scenario set up. We've got the person working through the website. They're talking as they go. We are recording the audio, maybe some screen bits, and we're just watching. We might want to make a few notes as we We might want to you know, comment on something that will be good for our reflection later on. But mostly we're just watching, observing, understanding. After it's done, thank them for their time, send them on their way, and we start typing up. It's great keyboard with pause play button. You, know, you just play the audio back uh, for a second or two, press pause, type up into Word what you just heard, press again, and then just do this play, pause, type um, thing all the way around. It can take up to four times the length of the audio to get the transcript. So half an hour uh, transcript might take, sorry, half an hour audio might take you uh, two hours to type up. So dig in for it, it's worth it. Once you've got your transcript, you're going to repeat this for a number of people. How many people do you repeat it for? There's no single answer, but I would really recommend six or more. Six because after you got through that many people, you start to see the same themes reoccurring again and again. Uh, ideally, you'd do 15 or so. If you're going for a bit of decent scientific research where you're trying to really understand the problems, but you know what? Six is completely fine. So you end up with six transcripts. You take the first one and you go through with the highlighter pen. I choose three colors. Um, so you're gonna do one color for thinking, one color for feeling, one color for doing. And the idea is just to highlight parts of the text that you think are referring to these items. So uh, I've got a example text here of um, actually something I did. I looked at a website and I was trying to find some Halloween items. So I'm looking on the website, so scrolling down. Okay, I'll stop there now. Because that first thing is a doing, I'm, it's an action. Next sentence. I'm seeing a Halloween thing around here, full stop. I highlight it in the same color, in this case, yellow. And that's another doing things, I'm seeing things. Oh, Halloween cupcakes, stop. Right, that, that, oh, that gasp, that's a feeling, that's a reaction. So I used a different color, that's a, a blue for feeling. I carry on, okay. I'm looking for a Halloween link to Halloween stuff. That is not there, so I can click in. Okay, full stop. That again is, it's a doing. I'm doing stuff, so I get my yellow pen, highlight the sentence. Carry on. I don't really want to see that. Hmm. 
full stop. That was a different thing again, that's a thinking. So I've got my green pen out and hide that in green. So you see here, all I'm doing is going through the text, highlighting, doing thinking and feeling in three colors that are useful. I'm not giving it too much thought. I'm just going, these are super high level categories. Once I've done that, I go to the start of the transcript again, and I go, right, that first one, that's gonna be a, I'm gonna call this D1, because it's a doing thing. Yellow is doing. Um, and then I'm gonna say, well, what is D1? On a different piece of paper, I'll make a little table. So three columns, one for column for doing, one column for thinking, one column for feeling. First column, D1. Okay, it's searching for Halloween items. That's the thing I'm doing. I carry on to my uh, transcripts. Okay, the second bit of yellow I highlighted is seeing Halloween things. That was, okay, same thing. I'm looking for Halloween bits. That's a doing, D1 again. Next thing I highlighted was the O. Well, that's a feeling. It's the first feeling. Uh, so that's F1. And I'm going to put in my column, you know, that's a feeling of surprise. Go back. Uh, next thing I got highlighted is, okay, I'm looking for Halloween stuff. That's another looking for Halloween things, another doing. It's the same thing. It's another D1. It's our third D1. So I make, um, you know, back of my table in the D1 category, I put like three tally marks next to that. I'm just I'm identifying unique themes in the doing, thinking, and feeling categories. And then I'm recording how many times those themes turn up. Carry on. So uh, next thing I got highlighted is my thinking. It's saying, I don't really want that. Okay, that's a, a thinking thing. So it's going to be T1 and say, well, it's not appropriate content. So there we are, one tally. I just carry forward like this. So I end up with, you know, lots of different doings. Uh, the next, if I was to carry on this, I've got D2. DT would be, you know, clicking on links. Um, T, T2 would be uh, liking the content, etc. So it's just going through, so you're categorizing all the higher parts, bring everything together for each person. You do that again and again and again. Now, what you do for the second transcript, so you've done the first one, you're on the second one now, you use the same table. Even though you're starting, you know, go through the transcript with the higher pen again, afresh, you know, what are you doing, thinking of feeling things, you are tallying up on the same piece of paper. So if somebody, if a second participant said that they are also looking for Halloween things, oh, that's a D1 and put another tally mark next to D1. But if they mention something completely different, like um, I'm looking for gluten-free stuff, okay, we didn't have that the first time, so that's a doing, that's a, we're gonna call this D3, which is a new theme. So looking for gluten-free stuff becomes that. Um, and you carry on, carry on, carry on, telling up on existing ones and adding new themes when they are unique. By the time you get to the sixth person, you've really brought everything together. Now this obviously is a very simple way of doing things, so a much more advanced way of doing it. But if you do this approach of reading the transcript, highlighting areas, categorizing the themes, and tallying up on one universal sheet, you will be completely great. Now you could um, use software like Envivo, which I've used successfully in many research projects. But let's be honest, you just need the answers, and this is the most effective way. So once you've got all of your bits together, you've got all of your um, tallies written up. How do you turn this into something that you can report? So what you do is you just look at this and go, well, well, the most frequent thing we got 
Now, the number one thing is looking for Halloween items on the homepage. And 15 people have said this. There's 15 occurrences. Um, so you'd say, okay, there's free activity and take on the homepage while searching for Halloween items. In bracket, 15 instances. Um, and this is despite looking for the main task, whatever it was. Okay. Um, and then what you want to do is put a quote in. So you'd say, participant one stated, okay, I'm looking for a link. So the way you write it up is think of what is the most important thing in the doing. Write out what it is, tell us how many people did it, give it some context about um, what it relates to, and then give us a quote. And you do this all the way through for all the doing things. Maybe not all the doing things, because you might have one person after 20 says something. You might go, you know, that comment isn't really appropriate. So I'm going to take, you know, the top five, the top 10. You just take the ones you think are relevant to what you find out and report on them. Um, so again, you choose them, you say what you found, give it a number of people, give it some context about what it relates to, um, and then give a quote, then move on. So you get a series of very short paragraphs in descending importance. So you do that for all the doing things, then repeat that for all the feeling things, repeat that for thinking things. That way you reported all the results there. When it comes to concluding from this, you want to step back and go, right, what do we have here? We've got um, a whole load of things. So I always fall back onto Moscow. So uh, Moscow's way of categorizing work into what we must change, we should change, what we should, could change, what we won't change. So I'd say, well, bearing in mind all the things that we're doing, thinking and feeling, the parts of the website which are the least usable that we need to really reinvent are these. And if we don't do them, the website doesn't really work. So we must change these. These other ones over here, um, these are very important. They're definitely impacting the user's uh, experience. But if we don't do them, we're going to have a bad experience, but we can still get through it. It's okay. That's when it should. Then you've got third category of these things are impacting the experience. They're not that bad. We really are getting over them quite easily. So we could do them, but they're low priority. And finally, there's things you're going, yeah, we've had issues, but frankly, this is a bit preference. It's not really doing much. So we're not going to address them right now. Maybe in the future, in future developments and Agile, we will get around to that. But we're just doing the things that are important. In those categories of things we must change, we must, we should uh, you want to reflect, you're not just pulling out and doing things, you're not just pulling out of feeling things, you're just looking at all the whole, the whole range of doing, thinking and feeling. So, you know, what features of the website that you found are really impacting what people are doing, what's directing them, what's putting them off, what's impacting the feelings? Now, is there something which is causing people to do the wrong thing, feel bad and think negative thoughts? You know, that one feature could cause all these kind of emotions, and we really have to change that. Now, you might have guessed by now that a lot of this comes down to experience. It's very difficult to just pick up a pen and produce a wonderful analysis, um, which is what we're doing here. So the best thing to do is don't try and be an expert. Fake it till you make it. So have a go. Jump in and always ask yourself, why? You know, why is this happening? What am I doing? What does this tell me? And try and have this constant reflection. In time, you will get a better sense of the meaning. And it sort of grows organic. 
If you expect to be perfect and then start, you'll never get done. So get started, get in, and grow the skill through experience. Uh, it's a great thing to mentor, have somebody to work with that has done this before, has good insights about what consumers think and do, and really talk through your results to them, saying, hey, these are my transcripts, this is what I thought, I think it means this, but what do you think? And they'll give an experience of say, well, I think I agree with these parts, I disagree with those parts, have you thought about this? And in those conversations, a great deal of the learning occurs, which is why teamwork is so important here. So that is a really quick view of using Think Aloud to understand satisfaction, because you're talking about things that are satisfying or non-satisfying, um, identifying the bits that you need to improve, you know, to redesign, and you know you can address them to make more satisfying interfaces, which will bring people together. So when you combine this with the quantitative SUS, so SUS says, right, these parts we think we need to redesign. Let's go and find out about them. Let's develop tasks set around those um, problem issues from SUS. Really get to grips. Think cloud will get people to explain what's happening as they're using the website. That will lead to a greater direction of what needs to be changed. And managers can start to be very strategic about what needs to be changed. Rather than having this long list of lots of things or so all the features that SUS pulls up or um, you know all the things my tracking pulling up or you know just a nebulous idea that something's too complex or anything, the Think Aloud explaining why redirects it and helps you understand what must be changed, what should be changed, what could be changed, and what you won't change in this cycle. That means you can be more prioritized in your design and produce better insights. I hope you found this information useful and I hope that you can go forward into the next week, apply this in your design work and get to grips with everything. If you've got a question about this, I'd love to hear from you. Follow us on YouTube go to design e-learning tutorials and just drop a link on any comment, <laughs> comment on any video. That's what I'm talking about. And let me know what do you need to find with improving the satisfaction of your designs. Um, you can also talk to me on Twitter at UserGenDesign or on Facebook at the Usability Podcast. I've been Dr. Chris Parker. Thank you very much. Mm -hmm.